0: Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's the full goal presented by FanDuel. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG.
0: This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com.
2: Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Gold with Jason Golf presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah.
1: Welcome into episode 14 of the Full Gold Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by the good people at The Ringer, and of course Spotify is the gang. Steve Cerruti is on the production side of this thing tonight, and I'm going to tell you why, because... He's a great man. This man has sat through playoff baseball podcast tapings, and now he gets to hang out with me for a little bit, as well as you guys out there, because we're taping shortly after the White Sox defeat the Houston Astros in a 12-6 game that, like, I listen, man, I have uh, been blessed to be in this industry and covering stuff and talking about stuff for 20 years now. Uh, and I have been to a lot of games, covered – title fights, prize fights, uh, you know, cover, uh, what was it, uh, in uh, Memphis, was it Tyson and Lennox, uh, I've covered Winky Wright versus Sugar Shane Mosley in Vegas, I've covered a couple of final fours when Carmelo Anthony tore down the nets, and then of course when the UConn team with Ben Gordon and those boys won, I've covered a whole bunch of playoff games at the United Center, and there are very few atmospheres like the one I saw tonight on the south side, Uh, The South Side looked good tonight. Guaranteed right field looked good. The Blackout fans looked great and sounded even better. These are the moments why and, and when you realize what being a fan is about. And all the hurt and all the drama and all the inferiority complex that White Sox fans have had to fight through and over their entire fandom, uh, tonight was one of those nights where it's all worth it. I don't know if the Sox going to come back in this series. I don't know if this is the last win we'll see for the season, but damn it, man, Sox fans and, and especially that organization, that's what it was about. Tonight was awesome. Straight up and down. I, there's no, there's no flowery way to put it. There's, there's no poetic for me at least. There's no poetic way to put it. That game was long as hell, and it felt long, but it was fun. You know, there's a lot of games that are long and you're like, geez, just end already. I was enjoying I, I think I grew out my fingernails just for tonight's game because I bit all of them off. There, there were three or four damn baseball games in half a game. I tweeted it by the fourth or fifth inning. I was like, wait a minute. How many games have I watched? This game started seemingly 36 hours ago with Dylan Cease throwing 100 miles an hour in the first inning. I'm tweeting out the season's ready. Everything is good. And then the rest of the game happened. Right? He stopped using his well, he didn't use his change up enough. By the way, Adam Wainwright, AJ Prezinski, and Adam Amin, uh for you know, a guest right here on the Full Go podcast, Adam Amin, they did all terrific job calling this game tonight and, and teaching baseball fans baseball while not browbeating them. It was amazing to listen to. It was amazing to watch. But like I said, Dylan C starts this thing. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. He's, he's painting the corner in the first inning and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is alright. This is what I'm talking about. This is going to be a quick one and, and we're going to make short work of this great Houston Astros lineup, obviously. I was uh, a little too premature on that and the adrenaline wore down. And all of a sudden Dylan got, got hit around out there. And you know, Tony the Rusa had to make a call very early in this one. You're down three runs. What are you gonna do? hell they were down five one but we'll get to that but you're down three runs there's a couple of balls that were sharply hit what are you going to do he gets michael brantley out and then all of a sudden he goes to the top of the ladder and strikes out uh, uh alex bregman and then he started to miss a little bit and those walks that have come back to kill the white Sox all series long started happening he walks uh alvarez he walks uh uh, Correa. And then all of a sudden it turns into the damn Kyle Tucker series because Kyle Tucker made another play. That's the one that got Ace uh, cease out the game, if I'm not mistaken. And that was only four hours ago uh if you're listening to this this evening which i hope you are it was um it it was a terrific terrific roller coaster ride of a ball game but i won't say that i wasn't worried because i was i was ready to mail this thing in and and socks fans on twitter uh were like nah man this ballpark's playing big tonight you know you know better than this jay and they got me back in my in my skin because all it took, ladies and gentlemen, all it took was that third and fourth inning uh, for this team to bust open offensively. Chris Campka, who, if, if you're in or around the city, you know that Chris Campka is the stat god, right? I mean, as a former teammate of his. Uh, at at, uh, at, at uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Actually, he's still what am I talking about? He's still here at NBC Sports Chicago. I don't get a chance to see him very often uh, in the building because of COVID, but Chris Kampka started throwing those stats out there like he normally does and he threw something out there that I was uh, astounded by, even though we've watched it and we watched the last time we were in the postseason. Last year what was it, 24 uh, postseason hits with no extra, uh, extra basis. Like if we're talking about it for real, this offense, it's, it's its a microcosm for what this offense has been, either a little bit or a lot of bit. But you ain't going to get the middle bit at all. And, and that's what happened here in the beginning of this game, and the beginning of this series. There were singles or nothing. And all of a sudden, the power bats kind of broke out there. At Yasmani Grandal, this is what he's done over the last month of the season. You know, he, when Yasmani got hot, it was either him hitting a home run or him walking which is you know obviously what you're what you're hoping to do uh as a hitter obviously get a hit stay put the ball in fair play or have productive out. hell he had productive outs and I believe in game in game two so you know this is what you ask for the people that you pay all the money to the money the money players got to shine in the money time and that's what Yasmani Grandal did and speaking of a money player Leary Garcia Larry Garcia is a guy that we I talked about in Game One. And sometimes your your weaknesses get exposed if you get too many plate appearances, too many at bats. Well, Larry Garcia has been kind of like a you know a, a steady calm influence throughout this season and I say calm because there's so many times where Larry Garcia had to be inserted into the lineup because of you know Eloy being out because of Luis Robert being out I mean there's a trade made to to get Cesar Hernandez and you're thinking okay where, where where else can you bounce him around on the diamond and he comes up with the biggest hit of his White Sox career Larry Garcia is a guy who's been here I believe he's the longest tenured White Sox now and he comes up with that three-run home run to put him ahead six to five. And and as I'm giving the shouts out to all the position players, man, this bullpen, <laughs> this bullpen, what was it, the last four innings of the game, nine strikeouts, no hits, no earned runs? I mean, that's the, uh, the, the bullpen for the White Sox this year is strong, right? Obviously, one of the best in Major League Baseball. But... For this moment, for it to happen this way, like certain things happening, like, ah, this might be it. Now, obviously they're still down two to one. I'm not saying this might be their year. Hell, I, I thought going into it, this might be their year, but this there's, there's some some pretty tough odds against coming back against a team that's trying to get to their fifth straight ALCS in the Houston Astros. Winning three straight games to get this team is tough as hell, no matter which which way you're looking at it. If you're looking at it in the regular season or you look at that in the postseason, even tougher in the postseason. Cause they got some players straight up and down. They got some players, but Ryan Tapera, a guy who my man Lawrence Holmes actually talked about a lot after the trade was made. This is a guy who's gonna matter for you. Well, guess what? He mattered. Went out there for two innings, you know, gave uh gave up nothing, no runs, no hits, and struck out three. Then Aaron Bummer goes out there with that ridiculous slider and starts just painting. Taylor, four feet outside the the, the the strike zone. There was one to your Donna Alvarez. I'm like, yo, you, you can't do nothing about that player. You just tip your cap and go sit your ass back down. And that's exactly what he did. He had four strikeouts in the inning and two thirds. And then. It's Kimbrel time, and everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen the way it happened down the stretch of the season. Tony La Russa, hey, man, if you're going to knock him, because I, I, we were all knocking him for not having Michael Kopech in there at some point in game two, but if you're going to knock him, got to give him credit, just like Matt Nagy, right? Craig Kimbrell came in there, got his one one out, and then he, he, he was able to, to manage his bullpen the way he wanted to. Michael Kopech got him there. Right, I mean, you know, Ryan Teper also helped in getting you there. And then you, you throw Bummer out there. Then you throw Kimbrell out there. Then you throw Hendricks out there. I mean, what most of managing in the postseason is managing the bullpen because games are going to be close. Now you don't you don't think you're gonna be up, you know, four or five runs, or you know you don't think you're already gonna be, have posted twelve runs and the other teams posted six. Like we don't see a lot of these shootouts. They're not commonplace in, in, in postseason baseball, usually because your best pitchers are going, and usually good hitting shuts. I mean, good pitching shuts down good hitting. But man, that that's exactly what Tony the has been looking forward to. Not in that way, but setting up your bullpen in order so that you can, you know, make the game as short as possible. If this game gets, you know, if you can make this a six-seven inning ball game, the White Sox have a good chance of winning, more times than not. But the bats had to wake up. And, you know, the first couple of games, top of the order did what they had to do. This game, the bottom of the order did what they had to do. Four through nine hitters were excellent tonight. Uh, Obviously, Tim Anderson going three for six, right? But Luis Robert, only one for five. Jose Abreu with with a big, big hit, one for four. Yasmani Grandel, one for three, and then you get to Eloy at two for five, and then you get to Yoan at two for five. Gavin Sheets had two big hits. Andrew Vaughn comes in in pinch hitting duty and, and gets himself a knock for an RBI. Leary Garcia not only the home run but also a run scoring, I believe, is a single. So you know the the bottom of the lineup did did damage tonight. Even Cesar Hernandez. You know, going one for three and getting two walks out of it. The, the bottom of the lineup was was not only productive, but they 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 were damaging. Right, they weren't just getting on base and leaving guys on base; they were knocking guys in. And only a few of those balls were really really hard hit. There was some good hitting being done by the White Sox in this game. Right, going. I think they learned something in the last two games about just not being so pull happy. Going going the other way or going up the middle with it. This, this Astros team, like we've talked about, the margin for error is very, very slim. You cannot let their pitchers settle into a rhythm and, and make them feel like it's okay, especially when they're getting those ground ball outs to a superior defense. Let's face it but they got they got to Garcia in the early early innings and then they got to Yimmy Garcia, you know, batted him around a little bit. Then Granky came in and then and Christian Javier. I mean, you want to talk about a, an MVP performance for a team that loses a game. That dude came in there and was mowing him down. Well, he finished with six strikeouts and 2 2 thirds. kept kept Dusty Baker and the boys in there. Now people going to question if Dusty Baker brought in uh, you know, Yimmy Garcia a little bit too early in the game, but, you know, things happen. Right. Yeah. You don't you don't press the pitch poorly button when you when you go to the bullpen. Some people might think you do, but more times than not, I think guys are you know throwing their best arms out there in the in the uh, the opportune moments. But yeah, man, this was this was an exciting game to watch. Uh, I'm not even going to bristle about how long it took because, you know, everybody else's job. We get paid to watch these things and have fun with them. So I'm going to have fun with it. that was a, that was an outstanding, outstanding, entertaining night. Like I said. Title fights, uh, NBA uh, playoff games, whatever you need. Hell, the World Series. I've covered a World Series in Cleveland when the the Cubs and the Indians were going at it. That was one of the more electric atmospheres that I have ever been around. I covered a Michigan-Northwestern game, too. Uh, back in the day with, with David Terrell and Anthony Thomas going at it and Damian Anderson on the other side for Northwestern. It was like 53 to 52 or something crazy like that. One of the greatest games I've ever been to in my life. I was in the, I was in the house for when Derrick Rose put it on Goran Dragic's head at, in Phoenix. And all those moments, all in the one, that's what it felt like and I wish I would have been there. I wish I could have been there tonight on the south side. So, Sox fans, you, you got you got nine more innings of life left. Uh, We're going to have fun with this thing tomorrow. But, man, Sox, Sox did what the we, we hoped they would do at some point in this series, is take your cool off and hit that damn ball. Hit the ball. You know, take what they're giving you. As, as, as Trent Dilfer said to Ryan Russillo not too long ago, take the cheese, man. If they need you to go the other way or go back up the middle, that's fine. Don't get pool happy out there. Let the ball guide you, and you can drop it right in front of fielder after fielder. That, that fifth inning, man, that fifth inning – oh, is it the third? I'm sorry, the fourth. It was the fourth inning, right? Yeah, that that fourth inning, you know, those two innings back-to-back, they sent 17 batters to the plate and scored eight runs, right? And then the, the, the bullpen comes in for seven and eight-thirds and only gives up three runs and strikes out 14 while walking one. You can't ask for much better than that after you falter early on in the game with Dylan Cease, after you faltered early on in the first two games of the series offensively. Sox are resilient. There's something crazy about those blackout games. We go back to 2008, but there's something, something wild about that, that park where everybody's in black and everybody's on the same side. I don't mean to sound sappy or make this some kind of romantic thing, but, yeah, that energy was real tonight. And it didn't feel like four hours to me. So appreciate that and appreciate the socks because you might not have them for much longer. Hopefully you do, but you might not have them for much longer. And now, like we talked about in the last pod, the pressure is squarely on the Houston Astros. They're not trying to go back to the crib. So now maybe they squeeze the bats a little bit tighter, although I don't think so because they've been to too many of these, right? They got too many veteran dudes that they're that they're uh, relying on. I, I'm looking forward to seeing who the, the game four starter is going to be, right? I'm looking forward to seeing if Carlos Rodon is going to get out there. I'm looking forward to seeing who the game four starter is going to be uh, for the uh, – the Houston Astros. So, yeah, this is uh, this is something. You got two seventy-year-old plus managers. You got two young, entertaining, swagger-filled teams. I mean, the Sox chain game tonight was just ridiculous. Eloy Jimenez out there with the the old school dope boy chain on. Then you got you know you got Johan Moncada with the with the with the chokers filled with diamonds. It was it, it was quite an HD game to watch. So and, and and even better, the Sox came on the victorious side of it. So Sox fans, we got at least nine more innings of this. This was a moment that I won't soon forget. And Hopefully you don't either. With all the consternation and all the nail biting that took place and and everything that you were feeling, the ups and downs of a baseball game, and maybe. Like the finality of a season setting in once Dylan Cease started to struggle. All that, man, that is all worth the ride, all worth the struggle, all worth the pain, all worth, you know, leading the Central Division for as long as they did, feeling like nobody was going to touch you and was this team being tested enough. It all came down to to nine innings of baseball tonight, and it was fun watching it. So hopefully they got another nine in them uh, when they come back for game four.
2: The Full Goal with Jason Goff. Jason
0: Goff. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.
2: Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Garth. All
1: right, gang. Bears beat the Raiders 20-9. to And I'm going to start with a personal note, and then we can get into the game. Uh, A couple of years ago, I had a chance to go to London for the very first time in my life. It's something that my mom actually has wanted to do all her life, and I'm a poor son Uh, literally because I should have been able to send my mother to London by now, but, uh, I got a chance to go to London. It was a terrific experience. Uh, it was bears versus Raiders in the London game. Actually, we had a London game today, right? With the jets and the Falcons. God bless London for hosting that. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the time was awesome. The food was great. Me and the fellas hung out. You know, of course, a ton of Bears fans there. So, uh, you know, a couple people noticed me. One brother in a trench coat walked up to me and said, hey, man, we appreciate what you did and standing up for us. And I was like, holy shit. I don't even know what you're talking about, brother, but I appreciate you, too. And then the game happened. And then the game happened. We were we were sitting up uh, in, in the stands, and I watched uh, the, the Los Angeles at that time, right? They were the LA Raiders, right, Saruti, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because they weren't in Vegas, and obviously they weren't in Oakland. So at that time, the Los Angeles Raiders placed their junk on the coffee table for four quarters, 60 minutes of football, and just allowed the Bears to admire it. And they kicked the hell out of the Bears up and down the field. Physically, that was as uh, impressive a performance in terms of not just running the ball but actual like grinding it out offense that I had seen in some time especially in person so fast forward to Sunday afternoon here on this this beautiful what is it like pre-fall or fall day here in the city of Chicago I'm lining up for Bears versus Raiders I'm like okay there's no way in hell they're gonna win this game but at least make it uh, palatable at least make it interesting and like I've been uh, positioning for for the last few weeks Justin Fields evaluation tape that's exactly what this is I'm gonna tell you right now man shout out to the Chicago damn Bears and shout out to their coordinators right um I think that obviously there's some Bears players who are on that team two years ago who kind of remembered how physical it was and I think they talked about it because there were some things man let's get to some of the things that that uh didn't uh sit well with me Mario Edwards Jr. they needed him today and he actually played really well but he also had two personal fouls that you can't have in a close game. Uh, I know Akeem Hicks was down, so you got your, your defensive lineman rotation is is hampered a bit. Uh, Travis Gibson played his ass off. Uh, you know, the, you know, Caleb Johnson got hurt on a special teams play, uh, and and for the most part, the Bears controlled this game. The Bears were up seven and three, and I didn't feel uh, I didn't feel itchy about it like I normally feel. The Bears defense, and I said it after the second week. Sean Desai is calling himself some pretty damn good football games. I mean the, the the end tackle gains and stunts that they were running, you know, putting Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack on the same side once again, trying to confound the, you know, which which way to slide a protection or you know the coverages as well. I mean, Sean DeSai had people say pretty much said to the Raiders offense, you, we're not going to be this deep, we're not going to allow that, but we're going to come up and tackle you. And game after game here, these young corners, not just Jalen Johnson, but Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor, I thought who had a nice, really nice game today. I mean, this is a guy who beginning of the season i'm like is this dude an nfl football player after what we saw last year in the beginning of this year but man bears got themselves something on defense and they got themselves a damn good coordinator as well so far sean DeSai to me is the mvp of this season um the the, the positions that he and after the first game we're like oh this bears defense looks old they're gonna get their ass ran through the entire season long like what what are they gonna be able to hang their hat on what's the identity of this team the identity of this team is what you saw today if Matt Nagy allows it to be. And I'll say this. They fought their asses off. So it, like Olin Crute said in the football after show on NBC, uh, if you if you give them grief when they're doing poorly, you got to give them some credit when they're doing well. They fought their ass off for, the, for Matt Nagy today and for themselves, obviously. But this was a game, man, where it... I know Bears fans want to, like, fast forward and get to the 1990s in, in terms of offensive production, right? But we, we're still stuck in the 70s and 80s a little bit as, as a fandom. But I, the points will come, hopefully. But the, the formula for football and winning football with this kind of roster and this kind of team right now and that quarterback is exactly what you saw against the Las Vegas Raiders. They sat out and tried to pound the football down the Raiders' throats. I mean, you saw Alex Bars be an eligible receiver for at least three or four plays, if I'm not mistaken. A dude with the number 64 out there extending the line, right? Making the perimeter tougher for you to get your edge on. And on top of it, they had a couple of guys down, right? They had Jesse James down, they had J.P. Holtz down, so everybody's favorite jesper horstead comes in the game usually as a blocking dude has made some plays in the preseason right he's like a fan favorite guess what he finds himself open in the end zone justin Fields rifles a throw to him uh it's the formula for football when you have this kind of football team is run the football even if you're not getting chunks of yards by the way damian williams running his ass off and khalil herbert man Khalil Herbert, like running backs in the NFL, like the Alfred Morrises of the world or the dudes who you get in the fourth and fifth round, all of a sudden they become, you know, two or three year, I won't say stars, but mini stars. I'm not saying Khalil Herbert's going to be that guy, but as long as David Montgomery is out, these two dudes I think can hold it down. Now, will they have the 160, 150 yard games that I think David Montgomery once fed the ball can is 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 capable of? Probably not. But Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams gonna hold down the fort until until uh David Montgomery comes back. So shout out to the running game because Jason Peters and, and, and James Daniels, Cody White here, like everybody on that interior. There was um There was a a concerted effort to run the football. And for a team that doesn't block well, you got to get those guys moving forward. We talked to Lomas Brown about it, what, a couple weeks ago, last week, uh, that this is what happens with an offensive line. If you're getting your tail kicked on the edge because you guys aren't holding up your your pass pro, let guys go forward early in the game. Let them get a sweat. Let them inflict some punishment. And then maybe you, you, you get people off balance with the play auction stuff. And that's what happened. We saw play action passes today for Justin Fields that let me I'll say this as well. The quarterback evaluation and the evaluation tape that we need. Yeah, man, he does hold the ball for a while and he's he took some huge hits today. And when that knee hyperextended or went the wrong way, like that was the season for me. And, and I know you can't put him in bubble wrap. I know the kind of player he is. Like, he, for instance, the third and five shotgun uh, run play, I wasn't mad at. They were trying to kill the clock, make the, the, you know, the Gruden-led Raiders uh, burn some timeouts. But in the end, you got to not just get down, young man. You got to get rid of that ball, player because he's still probably having issues uh, uh, adjusting protections or understanding where the, the, the blind side blitzer is coming from or free man is coming from, because Jonathan Abram had at least three shots on him, and that's a dude, you, can, you, you lick your chops when he's in coverage, but when that dude is coming downhill, like he's Jamal Adams without the the, uh, the the coverage prowess, if that makes any sense. Like that dude is a Mack truck coming downhill. He's a, he's a box safety and a dude who wants to play close to the line of scrimmage. He got a few shots on Justin Fields. I don't give a damn how tough Justin Fields is. This ain't Clemson, right? This 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 ain't this ain't Northwestern. This ain't Michigan. This ain't the college. This ain't the college football that you used to. And I know he'll look it in the face. He got a cool, calm demeanor, and I can appreciate that. But man you know andy dalton started to warm up there Guy actually got in the game for a couple of plays because that that need looked awful it looked awful and as and, and some of the people on twitter put it you know shout out to being 22 years old right the healing powers of a 22 year old because i know for damn sure i lifted weights three days ago and my back and shoulders still hurt me right because i'm 40 getting ready to be 41 probably could have done it when i was 22 23 and then got right back on the horse the next day but i digress um The Bears' defense is where it's at. Robert Quinn, early in this game, I think set the tone and made made the Raiders more aware then they probably had to be for the rest of the game. And Khalil Mack, oh, oh Khalil Mack, a.k.a. Big Fendi. And if you, if you know, then you know. It's one of the greatest Instagram posts of all time. All you got to do is put Big Fendi Instagram post funeral into uh, uh, Google and uh, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, but no, Khalil Mack looked at his former team, and you can't tell me he wasn't jazzed to go against his former squad and show John Gruden not only that he shouldn't be sending racist emails in 2011 when he wasn't a coach talking about the players need to get back to work and making for fun of DeMora Smith, but he also should have never traded Khalil Mack and then all of a sudden say the Raiders needed help rushing the passer the year after. So, yeah, shout out to Khalil Mack for doing his, his, um, his duty, which is getting after the passer. And, you know, Derek Carr and him, They have a a great relationship. It's documented. Like Derek Carr damn near cried when he found out that Khalil was traded. But you could tell in the game when Khalil got there like close a couple of times, him and D.C. were chopping it up like, I see you, I see you. And then after like the third quarterback hit or like the fourth pressure, Derek Carr was like, all right, man i i got you i don't want to talk i don't want to you know butt heads i don't want to slap you on the ass like it's, it's it's cool by the way that didn't need to be as graphic as it was i apologize if you're listening with your kid in the car actually i don't apologize that's on you but seriously this is i'm jazzed about this because you know what's getting ready to happen here guys and i can't control it and i'm not going to try to control it what's getting ready to happen here is The Bears have the Packers, (laughs) the Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Steelers, a bye week, and then the Ravens. This is that period where I was worried about the ass kickings. I thought the ass kickings were going to be lined up and you you just going to a different town or staying at home and placing your ass right in the ass kicking zone for another team to come kick your ass. Well, guess what, man? Guess what? That, that, that Bengals team gave the Packers some trouble today. I know Mason, Mason Crosby didn't do his job to the very end. You know, the Buccaneers, you know, that pass rush, that defense ain't looking like it's supposed to. The 49ers, hey, you know, who knows if the kid will be playing? Who knows what's happening? You know, Kyle Shanahan is a terrific play caller. And then on my birthday, you got Monday night game against the Steelers, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy right now, but, No, I'm not being that guy. The Bears Bears still have a tough schedule. I'm not going to do that to y'all. This is the part of the schedule I was worried about, weeks five through 11. That's a long stretch with a lot of teams who plan on being the postseason. That Steelers team, you you can hang that up. My man Ryan Shazier, we we give him the business on the Tuesday NFL Ringer show uh, right here on Spotify because that Steelers team is atrocious. That offense is no damn good. But man, these Chicago Bears, these last couple of games, very simple. Very celebrate the coordinators, right? Like celebrate your friends, celebrate your family members, celebrate whatever makes you happy. But if you are a Bears fan tonight, celebrate the coordinators. Celebrate Sean DeSai, and of course, my main man Willie Beam. That's right, Bill Lazor out here just playing simple football. It's a simple game. You don't have to. the The scheme doesn't have to be the star of the game. Now Justin Fields. I'm tell you that third down throw to Darnell Mooney, and then the throw after that—professional arm strength. I tweeted it. I mean it. And if you don't think so, go back and listen to JTO Sullivan from our last episode. This dude—I'm sorry—I thought it. I thought it uh, the year before last. I thought it last year. This is the best quarterback in that draft. This is it, and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing it mature. Uh, i'm looking forward to seeing the significance of having a quarterback like this to a fandom and to an organization how you protect him, right what do you go out of your way to just supply him with who wants to play with him i know we you know we fast forward a little bit and that's that's all me i shouldn't even say we because i'm the person talking but man this is it this is what you wanted a guy this is what any nfl team wants right help us win make four or five throws in a game that are going to lead us to victory. That's what every NFL team should want. That's what any, every NFL fandom should want. And there were three or four throws that he made tonight that were victory throws that were real quarterback throws that were real quarterback reads. So I'm all about it. I'm looking forward to seeing this game again on Monday so I could kind of take the emotion out of it. But, This was fun. This was fun. And it was fun to see them beat up on a team that kicked their ass just two years ago. You know, you don't really get a turnaround like this where you see a team the year after, but especially that's not in your conference or not in your division. But that's exactly what it felt like. Some of the some of the things that was happening at the end and, and after whistles. Yeah, man, they were very aware of what happened to them in London. And they took it to Vegas with them and they were angry. By the way, the Raiders are Stupid as hell. I can't wait to talk to James Jones about this, man. The Raiders are a dumbass football team. Like, I, you know, I've watched them a a few times this season because of James Jones and because they've been on Monday Night Football. And, you know, they're, they're an interesting squad to watch, right? They reel off their first three wins. Now I believe they've lost two in a row. But, dude, there are six penalties in the first half, illegal shifts. You can't keep your hands off the quarterback's helmet or stop or stop yourself from roughing the quarterback. They're ready to get off the field on third downs. There are there are dumbass personal fouls on third down. Like I know the Raiders way and play to the echo of the whistle and all that other bullshit, but man, John Gruden gotta get that situation in order. You know, while he mealy mouthing his way through dumbass apologies about things he really meant, but don't know how to say sorry and just drop it for. Yeah, that that was that was embarrassing this week too, by the way. You know, the, the sorry followed up why you were an idiot. Nah, we don't need to know why. Just apologize, talk to your players about it, talk to Damor Smith about it, and stand up and be a dude. Be a dude about the situation. But I digress. The Bears get themselves a big victory. Uh, shout out to Roquan Smith, by the way. That's going to be every week on this pod until until um, otherwise, uh, until until I am forced to change because 58 is everywhere on that field. 58, 52, 94 played a big game. Eddie Goldman was out there. Solid as a rocking. It's a really, really good running game with Josh Jacobs. Josh looked healthier than he's looked in the last couple of weeks. And also, this is the other thing too. If it weren't for you know, some, some key drops. This game would have been closer. Like the Raiders probably should have beat this team, should have beat the Bears, but the Bears played simple football. They played terrific defensively and they earned the right to rush the passer. You know, we talk a lot about count leverage in baseball, right? Being up, you know, uh, uh one, two on the counter, being up, you know, Oh, you two know, as a pitcher. Well, you got, you got pass rush leverage, right? You you, you got down and distance leverage, and it seems like the Bears had that. I'm going to go back and look at the numbers, but it seems like the, the Bears were in a lot of third and mediums in this game, and you you earned the right to rush a pass because of what you did on the first two downs. So, you know, a pass rush can make any, any secondary look good, and I'm not just saying that, like these guys are all bad, but it made those guys look better, and on top of it, they came up and tackled uh Kindleville door and and the rest of that crew back there came up in tackle Eddie Jackson almost had a miraculous uh strip uh when when uh I believe it was Jacob's jumped over the top of the pile on the goal line like he had just gotten the ball over to break the plane but eddie comes in with like the the, the up and under the uppercut of the football and runs away with it it was already a touchdown by then but those are the big plays that you hope eddie jackson could be a part of uh you know it's a lot this season actually so yeah man it was it was a fun game it was cool to watch um i'm down with 315 games i know like people like to get the game out the way but i i got a chance to do a lot of other things besides worry about bears football right at noon so it was a good game. Justin Fields, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to talk a little bit more about it on the Tuesday pod. I'm going to go back and look at some of the things he didn't do well, or I think he didn't do well. But it, all in all, he did what he had to do to win this football game as a rookie quarterback in the NFL, where every defensive coordinator is gunning for his head. Like everybody's sending everything. Again. Hey, can you pick this up, rookie? Heard the game was too slow in the preseason. Is it slow now? Like, I'm with it, man. I'm with it. This is how you're supposed to evaluate a rookie quarterback. Put him in positions where he can't succeed. And if If he doesn't succeed, then we evaluate his performance. When he does succeed, you pat him on the back and then you pat the the play caller on the back for putting him in those positions. A simple game. And my main man, Willie Beam, Bill Laser is out here doing what he's supposed to do.
2: We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by
0: NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
1: This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes,
2: you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning
1: your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
2: Connect with the show 24-7 on the four gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103 all right it's time for not
1: only the award-winning segment but the segment that is changing lives uh one episode at a time uh mail carriers have voted it the, the best segment on yelp if you could vote segments uh ratings on yelp uh we we've we've vaulted to the top of the billboard 100 charts with our voicemail segment as well uh, you know it. You love it. We take your phone calls. We let you get whatever is on your chest, off of your chest. Sometimes we we just find out that people are getting stung by bees. Uh, but this is our voicemail line. Uh, you know the number. Thank you so much for calling. Steve Cerruti, what's our first one?
3: Jason, Chris, Joe from Chicago. Hope y'all doing well. What is Chicago Sports Sunday? I don't think we've had this good one in years. Sky W. Bears, W, White Sox, W, just (laughs) fantastic performances throughout. Kalia Copper, the Bears scaring us, the White Sox scaring us. We pulled through. Honestly, we had this good of a Chicago Sports Sunday in a while. I don't know. Appreciate y'all always.
1: Hey, Joe, I'm glad you mentioned it because in the midst of all the White Sox and Bears stuff, like, there's a lot going on in the city today. Uh, you had the, the bears getting themselves a win right out there in Vegas. And you had a whole bunch of people travel to that Vegas game. Like everybody on IG and Facebook and Twitter, were talking about the fun that they were having and all the, you know, all the bears fans traveling, obviously to Vegas to spend some money, see the fight, right. See see what was a fantastic fight that I, uh, I missed all of because I, I turned it in pretty early last night. Cause I'm a, I'm an old guy but and then the Chicago Sky. I mean you got you got the 6 seed right now running up against the the Phoenix Mercury and Diana Taurasi and them gals and they didn't give a damn. That's one of the more imposing physical front lines in the in the WNBA and like you mentioned, you know Copper and especially Candace Parker and all them girls said, "Hey, we don't care." Ninety-one to seventy-seven was the was the the final score. So you got the the Bears winning, you got the Sky winning, you got the Sox uh, beating up on the Houston Astros in the later innings, and of course, you know you got those Bulls getting themselves a another preseason dub. So. And the Chicago Marathon was ran today, so uh, a lot of a lot of W's, a lot of wins in the city of Chicago, man. We all fall under the same umbrella, the same tent when it comes to the city. So, yeah, man, it was it was a good day, as Ice Cube would say. All right, what else we got, Steve?
3: Hey, Jason, this is Joe calling from Naperville. Um, number one, very happy to see that you got your own podcast. Been a fan ever since I started listening to you on the Scorn back in the uh, early two thousands, and then. Uh, you know, just glad to hear your voice again. Glad you got this platform. Um, I was out on these socks. I was calling ball game after <laughs> they, you know, the Astros take that lead, 5-1 yeah. lead, and then our boys just come back. They fought back. They've done what they've done all year. And, you know, I'm excited. One game at a time. Got to get that game tomorrow. Let's go. Uh I was pretty out on them. I was pretty much writing up, you know, what, what do we need to do this postseason, but they pull me back in. It's the Godfather. <laughs> I think I'm out, and they pull me back in. Right. So let's go tomorrow. Let's see what happens. Let's get this, and uh, it was a good sports day in the city. Yes. All right? Take care, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man.
1: I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, like I mentioned, and like Joe from Chicago mentioned, it was it was a great sports day in the city. And, and once again, this is the other thing, too. Every game should be Jose Abreu celebration game because Jose Abreu picks balls out of the dirt that you know uh, i i would say half the first baseman don't get to like he's not he's not top three in terms of fielding but he's he's been pretty damn clutch when i've watched in, in terms of helping out yoan Moncada sometimes on on the flat-footed throws like moving uh to his left or to his right there there's and throwing on the run they aren't a lot better than yoan Moncada. but sometimes some of the routine joints can you know can uh, confound him every once in a while, and Jose Abreu has done a great job this year. And Tim Anderson, you know, he's he's a terrific spark plug. You know, every once in a while, throw gets away from him, and not as much as he used to back in the day. Uh, Tim has shored up his fielding f- for sure, but yeah, you know, Jose Abreu uh, again, you know, shouldn't probably been playing game one. Uh, you know, he he broke through again today. I, I just this this team and and, and is not just the team but the whole the whole feeling of, of the organization you could just look at one if you wanted to look at one guy like Tim Anderson is the face but Jose Abreu is kind of the face of the excellence that you can find if you pick through it and then the struggle as well right cuz Jose Abreu is one of the best hitters in White Sox franchise history and doesn't have a whole lot of playoff appearances to show for it. So, yeah, it was a great day, and we need to continue some of the dudes and some of the, the ladies who play at this city that, uh, that that provide not just great entertainment but, like, success year in and year out. And Jose Abreu is one of those dudes. All right, so Rudy, what, what else we got?
3: Yo, what up, Jason? Great calling from Dallas, Texas. I've uh, been All a right. huge fan of you for years. So, salute to you on your podcast. But man, bro, I was gonna call like maybe fifteen minutes ago. I was sad, (laughs) (laughs) emotional, like God, this damn season over. Dylan Season went to bed, we just fucked. I don't know what to do. (sighs) I see it's just a fucking home run. Man, we back. Let's get it. You have a good one, man. I'm out.
1: Uh, we haven't heard that one yet. The the soul leaving and then re-entering the body with the breath. You know, like we've been counting those since uh, <laughs> since since the pod first started, and we we caught that first awful loss against the LA Rams on this pod, and then, <laughs> and then and then from here on out, it's just you know guys and girls leaving voicemails with the long. Where you hear the soul actually leaving the sports fans' body. And then on this one with Greg from Dallas, you heard it actually re-enter his body with the with the inhale this time. Uh yeah. Yeah, Leory Garcia. What can you say? A dude who hit five home runs this year, like Leori's got some pop, right? You know, he's he's a guy who can who can hit the ball a little bit, but a 437-foot home run, the dead center? Nah, man. I, I would have call that. I wouldn't have called that. So, yeah, once again, shout out to – I guess this is why. This is why you got to be careful with how much credit and how much blame managers get, I guess, because shout out to Tony LaRusso for putting him in the lineup and then saying, go hit a home run. Go hit the longest home run of your career in the, the biggest moment uh, in the last two seasons. Go go do that for us. So, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, and it's been a wild day, especially if you are a Chicago sports fan. All right, Steve, what else we got?
2: I wanted to say, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by this Bears win. I'm feeling pretty good about the squad right now. Um And, you know, the Packers did not look good against the Bengals, and we kind of slapped the Bengals around. So I'm feeling even more confident going into next week. Um I'm a little bit worried about our defense just in terms of, like, penalties. It seems like Man. we can't help ourselves but get just unnecessary penalties that help other teams move the ball along. And that's been – something I've noticed over the past few weeks. So I'm wondering how do we address that? And then another thing I'm a little worried about is just our running back depth. I don't know. I know Todd Gurley's still out there. I don't know if that's an actual viable option to go, you know, throw him on the practice squad or something just to have some backups. Um, But I I am feeling pretty good. I want to hear what you have to say, and uh, I'll be listening. Thanks.
1: Appreciate it, man.
2: Uh, The penalties – I don't
1: know if, I don't know if they, they really irked me today. Um, wasn't a whole bunch of pre-snap stuff, which, you know, to me is just repetition and discipline. Uh, the two Mario Edwards personal fouls, you know, you can't have. It's as simple as that. We talked about that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a good win. Like <laughs> this is the formula for bears football for the foreseeable future. Keep the game close. Uh, run the football. Like you mentioned, you should go out and get Ty Gurley. And nothing. I mean, first of all, you got to get somebody who could fit into your system, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ty's more of like a stretch zone runner. If, if I'm not mistaken now, the football people might come down on me and, and you know, and, and, and cast me away from football. Yeah. Uh, from football talking but no nah, I, I don't know if he is the the system runner that you're looking for in this offense I could be wrong and on top of it a lot of those running backs man once they're done they're done like you know the the, the name comes but the game don't come with it I was in Atlanta when Steven Jackson was signed and and, and there was a too many Falcons fans for my liking who were like oh they got Steven Jackson I'm like eh, this is Steven Jackson after all those carries though Right, and he squeezed out maybe a couple of games where he looked like the old steven Jackson. But in the long run, once once running backs have been discarded or, or thrown on the scrap heap, you can't ask for them to be the bell cow. You can't ask for them to hold it down. And Todd Gurley had knee issues when he was at Georgia, right? So you just you were on borrowed time with that deal when the Rams signed it, uh and and then he obviously went to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I like Khalil Herbert. I do, man. I like Khalil Herbert. And 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 of course, you know, Damian Williams has run the ball uh sufficiently. But I like I like the way Khalil Herbert moved in terms of his paddling. He was always falling forward. Uh there was a couple of times should have been two and three yard losses, but he got it back to the line of scrimmage. And those things are invaluable, right? When you see a run for no gain and you're thinking to yourself, Oh, it's second and ten. Now that's a lot different than third uh, second and thirteen, right? Or third and thirteen. Um so yeah, Khalil Herbert is is fine for another week at least. And I'm not going to I'm not going to mess around and say look at hey they they we beat the Bengals, so you know, now the Packers should be uh you know, by the transitive property, the Packers should be easy to beat. Nah, it's still the Packers. You're still the Bears, right? It's still Aaron Rodgers versus Justin Fields or I should say Aaron Rodgers versus that defense. Um is Khalil Mack, I don't think Khalil Mack. There's a lot of hubris uh that went into that game plan for the Raiders to me today as well. You know, that was John Gruden kind of trying to prove, I think, too often that he can uh block Cleo Mack with you know, just an offensive tackle. There wasn't a lot of chipping. There wasn't a lot of cracking down from receivers in motion. I don't think that's going to be the same way for the game plan uh going up against the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to be uh, very aware and, and try to make sure that number 52 doesn't wreck the game for them. So, yeah, man, uh, hopefully, hopefully the Bears get themselves another win. That'll be three in a row. So, yeah, like, like you, I think the theme of the pod is a good day uh, for Chicago sports. All right, Steve. We got uh, one more left. I think it is two left. We got
3: two more. All right, bet. And hey, Mister Golf, Mister Gator from the Low End, <laughs> jobs, 35th. Love Mister J. Showy doing a wonderful job. <clears throat> this wonderful Sunday, all our teams is on the uh, games, playing TV championships or what have you. I just want to give a shout out to the Chicago Sky. What a man! First NBA Finals game,
2: mm-hmm. but the
3: drip and the love to the Bears. In the hallway leading up to the game, wearing the jerseys. Yeah. Love it. But then later on, Allen Robinson wearing the Candace Parker Chicago style jersey just before the Raiders game. I was like, this is love times 10.
1: Yeah. It was a great
3: feeling to start the day. Great way to get through it. We'll see what happens with the White Sox closing down. Anyway, one love. I'll see you in the street.
1: My main man, Gator. Ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned Gator actually in like one of the first voicemail segments. That is the trivia killer right there in the city of Chicago. That's, that's a good man from the low end. Uh, shout out to all the dirtbags out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, Gator. Uh, that, that that was really cool to see the Chicago Sky wearing uh, the Chicago Bears jerseys and Allen Robinson uh, wearing the Chicago Sky jersey, a little crosstown love, a little crosstown promotion. Shout out to, by the way, I mentioned all the stars. Shout out to Stephanie Dolson who had a an outstanding game off the bench for for the Chicago Sky. She had like 14, 15 points in 17, 18, 19 minutes or something like that. So uh, you know, we all know, you know, Court Vandersloot and, and Allison Quigley and and Candace Parker and Kalia Copper, who was turning into a star right in front of us. But Uh, Stephanie Dolson was outstanding off the bench tonight. So uh, shout out to the Chicago sky as they take a one O lead in the WNBA finals. All right. Our final voicemail of the night, Mr. Cerruti, what do we have?
3: Uh, Paul from Chicago. Uh, just want to say, I can't wait to, Oh God, (laughs) uh, your boy dollar bill talking all that smack on the bulls, man. Uh, he liked last year's roster better than this year's for some reason. <laughs> I just can't wait for uh, him to eat his words. I don't know how you even put it in that. I'd have him blocked. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh man you don't know how I put up with dollar Bill Simmons huh all right um, <laughs> well, and the thing is I haven't had to put up with or deal with I don't know if you want to put it in those words like Bill and I have had like a few conversations and and one of them y'all heard here on the podcast when he was Bill from LA but yeah bill bill uh, Bill was a fan of last year's team, a little bit more than anybody else was. And Bill is less of a fan of this year's team maybe than anybody else is. But we'll see. We'll see. They have looked good in the preseason, man. You know, Ayo Desumu, uh getting a couple of buckets here at the end of the game against the Cavs to uh, to, to win the game. Obviously, that's not – may, it may happen. Yeah, if everybody's hurt, it may happen in a regular season game this year, but they're not planning on that being the end-of-game situation. So, it's good for their kid to get that kind of uh, experience and exposure, albeit in the preseason game. I, the Bulls are going to be fine. The Bulls are going to be fine. High side, the Bulls are fighting for a 4-5 where I think they'll settle in somewhere in that – Six range, you know, um, but I think they'll be able to play with anybody and it's still going to take, you know, 15, 20 games, I think, for them to get their real fit down, their real chemistry down, because right now it's, you know, I, the Pelicans and the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't putting up enough of a resistance for me to have any real like uh, bona fide evaluation of, okay, this is what it's going to be. You're not going to get that in preseason, but what you can see is how talented teams are in the preseason. You know, especially if they're playing all their guys. I mean, if you look at it, Billy Donovan is ramping the minutes up. Right. So, you know, there you know, there's a lot of team like I believe LeBron James didn't play tonight uh, and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook were on the the same floor for the first time tonight for the L.A. Lakers. No, nah, the, the Bulls ain't playing that game at all. The Bulls is like, hey, this is our rotation. These <laughs> these are eight or nine guys that's going to play. We're going to ramp y'all minutes up because Billy Donovan needs to know what his team is as early as possible. I think Billy Donovan is more aware of what this team has to be defensively. I think that's why these guys are playing the minutes that they're playing because he wants to see not only the activity defensively, but who's who can who can uh, supplement – or yeah, who can supplement uh, – other guys' weaknesses, right? Who can who can cover for certain things? Say you got a back-end defender who isn't the greatest. Do you want to put Alex Caruso or Alonzo Ball out there to extend that defense at the perimeter to make sure that, you know, if it does get somewhere where there are smaller guys, because it's going to be a smaller team. So if it does get closer to the rim or you get in the paint there and you don't have as much resistance as you need, make it harder for them to get into the paint, you know, with longer, more athletic guys at the point whether it be Alex Caruso or Alonzo Ball. So I think that's why we're seeing some of the lineups that we're seeing. And, yeah, man, the, the Bulls are going to be all right. And Dollar Bill is going to definitely be chirping about it any way it goes. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be staying to not only to his podcast, but also to everything on The Ringer as well. All right, that's it. That's our voicemail segment. Thank you so much for uh, calling in and checking us out. I, I throw that – that phone number up there on Twitter, and when anything is happening or when nothing is happening, you can always hit us up on the voicemail. You know, send us a shout, get whatever off your chest. We're always here for you on the Full Go Podcast. That's all the time we have for episode fourteen of the Full Go Podcast. I got to be honest with you. Uh, today was one of the, I, depending on how you look at it, one of the best or worst food days of my life because I ate everything that wasn't nailed down uh sports doesn't really put me through a whole bunch of eating stress and maybe that's because i haven't had a whole bunch of big games to watch over the last i don't know three or four years but man i I eat everything that wasn't nailed down today so shout out to uh uber eats and uh shout out to the uh the local eateries around new crib and shout out to my lady for uh standing by and watching all the foolishness happening like i i crushed uh, a, a 12 count box of insomnia cookies and she maybe got like one and a half of them so this was a great day for me I hope you heard it in the podcast if not I hope you heard the indigestion we'll be back on Tuesday with Matt Bowen on the Bears and Justin Fields plus make sure to call or text with your thoughts on anything on that voicemail line at 773-359-3103 at 773-359-3103 we'd like to say thank you to our producers as always Steve Rudy and Chris Tannehill this has been an outstanding day and i'm happy that we could get the pot out to you the bears win the sky win the bulls win a preseason game the white Sox win a playoff game you can't ask for much more if the blackhawks were playing then the blackhawks will probably win and if the cubs were playing well at least the other four or five teams have won So that's all we time we got for you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. This is the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And as always, Spotify is the gang. Take care of each other and be safe.
2: It's the Full Go, baby. Okay, bye. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EB. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prolog apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com prolog to learn more.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.